The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. And here we are, back again. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We, well, that almost rhymed. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> what a fucking miracle that was. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I am Jesse Dollimore, your host of I Doubt It. Across from me is the lovely and intelligent Brittany Page. Hello. We are at it again. Episode 37 of I Doubt It. We're going to go back to a little bit of a, a convention, if you will, and give out the phone number at the top of the show. 657-464-7609. That is our number. If you would like to leave a voicemail for us, that is where you do it. And we will incorporate your wonderful opinion, <laughs> whether it has merit or not, into the show. So again, 657-464-7609. And if you're out of the country, I don't have an international number, so you're just going to have to Send dial us an email. So dial one. <laughs> or of course, there is email. I doubt it at dollamore.com is a great way to get a hold of us. We have iTunes, which I'm quite certain most of you are listening to us through iTunes right now. If you haven't gone and rated, or at, at least rated, but review the show, give us a nice review on the show, or at least a what you feel to be justified, that would be awesome. As long as it's profanity-free, which iTunes requires, everything will be great. As always, there is dollamore.com, and this is the last plug. We'll move on to the show. Dollamore.com, up in the upper uh, right-hand corner, there's an Amazon search bar. If you need to buy a book or a new set of wine glasses because yours keep, keep getting broken in the dishwasher, that is where you do it. If it's a real problem. Yeah, it definitely is a real problem. If, you, if you're going to spend your money anyway, spend it there. And it'll go a long way to helping out the show and keeping us on uh, inside of the tubes for your ear holes, which I guess are they're kind of tubes too. Mm -hmm. So, again, we we really we love you and appreciate every single one of you tuning in for your twice weekly dose of news, news, and ridiculous comment, and really good comment. I'm I can only speak for myself, Brittany. Oh, okay. <laughs> So I want to open the show, and I didn't really prep you for this, so I hope you're, I'm assuming you'll be able to talk, talk extemporaneously on the matter, but listen, people, I want to do a public service here, and I want to educate everybody on what 
a fucking hashtag is. Oh, thank God. And what it is used for. Please do this. Because I see people... now. Well, now there's Facebook... There's functionality to search hashtags on Facebook. And if you have not been on Twitter, I can kind of see where you might think that they're useless. But a hashtag is a massive step forward relative to internet searching and use of the internet. It's it's an awesome, awesome tool. Yeah. And if you don't use them or you bitch about them, you are also a tool, but not an awesome tool. That is factual. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer. Because they're very helpful. They're super helpful. But I've been seeing a lot of people on Facebook shitting on the hashtag. Yeah. Let, let's say what they are first. They're a mechanism by which you can search any topic. So let's say you put a hashtag in front of the word psychology, well, which I often like to do. They're a mechanism by which you can search any topic that has previously been hashtagged. Yes. Yeah. Which, like, you're, go on, you're, you're saying. Yeah, like, I often hashtag my psychology-related information with a hashtag psychology, and that filters it into a psychology hashtag category where anyone who wants to search for psychology-related material can type in hashtag psychology and search Facebook or Twitter for all psychology-related information being posted. Or anything that's been tagged with a hashtag. So if also, if you are going to post something and you want it in the, in the community of information that's searchable, you can ser- you could put multiple hashtags. You can hashtag psychology, hashtag bonobo, hashtag monkey love, whatever. Yeah. And it will fall within that. So when they search, so if you are a, a fan of the Facebook page, the, the I Doubt It podcast uh, Facebook page, and you see I Doubt It podcast and other hashtags, that's not just because we're hipsters and we're loving the hashtag. It's because people who know what the fuck they're doing <laughs> are searching hashtags and they're going to see our posts. And in fact, the posts the posts that we hashtag, that we use hashtags within, get far more views and traffic, both on the Facebook page and on Twitter. Is that not correct? Yeah, that's correct. And most people, I guess, might not utilize searching on hashtags. They, they might not have a need for it. And I get that. But a lot of people do. They are on the internet to find information. And a, a good way to find information that other people are talking about is to search these hashtags yeah. for whatever topic you're interested in. But it seems like lately it's fun to kind of talk bad about the hashtag and make jokes about it. I've even seen people talk about how much they hate hashtags, which, come on, don't you hate Hitler? I mean, why are you talking about how you hate hashtags? What did the hashtag ever do to you? I well, mean, the hashtag kind of looks like a little mini Hitler mustache. Yeah, I guess. So maybe maybe there, it's just, it's bleeding over from their, their hate of anti-Semitism and genocide. Yeah, so it's like a PTSD thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's just reminiscent of Hitler. <laughs> I don't know, but whatever it is, it's dumb because I'm sick of hearing about people not understanding what they are. So they're like talking bad about hashtags. They're useful well, and they serve a purpose. It's strictly out of sheer ignorance that they don't like or that they're hating 
unless it's hashtag Hitler, shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard I've heard, seen people talk about how how they think hashtags are so stupid, and it's no, they're yeah, not. They're they're well. I've come I've come a long way in my social media maturity, and when I first joined Twitter, I was almost embarrassed about it. Where I wouldn't say that I sent out a tweet. I would say that I Twittered or I don't know. I made up all different kinds of words yeah. rather than tweet because tweet is so just. It's like a little kid, little girl yeah, term. I, I kind wouldn't of. even say that it's feminine because I I clearly don't care if people think I'm feminine. I talk about crying all the time. Yeah. But it is definitely, it, there's been a process, a maturation process with me. And the hashtag is another part of that, that. I once didn't really know how to use it, and I would hashtag dumb shit that really wouldn't send people to my tweet, but now I definitely do. A lot of times, I went through a period where I was really tweeting about atheism and that movement a lot, and I would hashtag Christianity and atheist or atheism, and it would give my tweets a an entirely new audience of people who would search those hashtags. Yeah. Because it's not, it's expanding your content beyond just your followers. Yeah. It's, it's expanding it to a whole new group of people who would never see your particular tweet unless they followed you. And I've gained, you know, hundreds of followers because of it. Yeah. Well, I tweet a lot about psychology and a lot about research and I hashtag it. Well, and you're... I'll often have <laughs> tweets come through that say, oh, the Psychology Daily is out and it'll be from a person that doesn't follow me, but they somehow track my tweet or whatever. You also, you are you're a rare breed relative to Twitter, I think, because you have many, many famous people within the psychology community who follow you. And I think it's it's probably because, one, you put out good, good content, but because also you hashtag your stuff strategically and well so they notice. Yeah, I wouldn't call them famous. More like notable, no. I guess. Well, not famous. Okay, notable. But yeah. in psychology, they're well known. Yeah. They have fame. Okay, so they're not famous. Uh, like I, normal people, regular people, average people wouldn't know who they are. But if you are well-versed relative to psychology and those type of things, they, they would know. You don't even think that, huh? No. Huh. Wow. Just people who ha that are involved in psychology that have a lot of followers or even science writers. There's some, you know, science writers for different online publications that follow me, but I, I not notable people like think... like Dr. Gail Saltz has tweeted me before and favorited some of my tweets. Right. But she doesn't follow me. So there's there's certain people and I've interacted with Paul Bloom and Jonathan Haidt, but they don't follow me no, what, right i'm not even talking about them but you have definitely i think you're just being you know what britney's being modest <laughs> and we'll leave it at that but hashtags are definitely a vehicle by which you can expand your influence relative to social media yeah. so quit shitting and i would assume that our audience is smarter than the average asswipe on Facebook. Than the people we're talking about. Right. So maybe this this entire first 10 plus minutes was wasted. But if you have a friend who doesn't understand hashtags, 
you need to fucking, well, one, turn them onto the show so they can be educated. And two, do a little education yourself. Yes, please. Seriously. Because it's going to save me a lot of aggravation so I don't want to cave someone's chest in. And focus on that part where you tell them about the podcast. <laughs> that one was the important part. Yeah, that, that's very important. So we're going to stick with this theme about listeners. Yes. And I want to address a specific listener. Uh, this is, I guess, our listener email segment. Is that what we're going to call it? Well, yeah, that's what we were referencing with the people that are out of the country that might not be able to call the phone number. And you can send us an email and that yeah. we got a listener email from someone. And he, well, and that might be, maybe this person is out of the country because they emailed rather than call the voicemail line. Yeah. Let's just say that that's the case because if there's a phone number available, then you probably should call the phone number. Yeah. Because I'd love to interact that way. Yeah, that'd be great. But email's good too. Anyway, Tim um, Tim emailed in and he had took issue with our position on polygamy. And just to remind everybody, we had talked about Big Love, the HBO series. And it, you know, talks about fundamentalist Mormonism and going off of Mormonism and kind of being in these polygamous relationships. And the, the main character is Bill Paxton, who has three wives. And so we kind of talked about how watching this show has changed my perspective on polygamy. And I'm actually all right with it now. Well, she's, she's all right relative to it being legal. Yeah. Not personally. Yeah. Yeah. She's no, not <laughs> get that away from me. She's not looking for multiple D's everybody. Nah. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm also not willing to sorry, share sorry. share multiple V's with a D with the D. <laughs> yeah. Cuz every time you kiss your man on the mouth, that's multiple V's. Yeah, that's a sitch. Yeah. Yeah, a bad one. Or even if you put your M on the D, that's multiple V's. Yep. I, wow. I was having a hard time following that, which I don't know and why. Actually, even if one of the other dude's wives, she might be into the A. Yeah. Getting the A in the A. So when you put your M on the D, it might not be just multiple V's, but maybe an A or two. Yeah. That's no good. Yeah, that's definitely that's what, not good. That's what we in the business call a shitty situation. <laughs> I can't laugh at that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. We're fucking sidetracking your uh, segment here. Um, so anyway, Tim Tim chimes in and he says, Hey, I recently listened to your thir number 35 episode regarding polygamy and was compelled to contact you regarding the issue. So right away, Tim's a smart guy. Yes. Not just because he's interacting with the show, but he's, That's a big com part, though. he's compelled to contact us regarding the issue, which is yeah. awesome. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. So he says, you asked, quote unquote, what is the argument against polygamy and compared it to gay marriage? I understand. I want to stop there. Okay. Yeah. For yeah, the record. See, the tables have turned. Well, no, for the record, we didn't compare it to gay marriage. We were saying that in the arguments we've had with fundamentalist Christians or people who are against gay marriage, they have brought the polygamy argument into that debate and said, well, if gays get married then what's to stop people from taking multiple husbands or wives? Right. I, they take the argument there. I think I may have compared it to gay marriage relative to the legal argument. Oh, okay. On, on the, the, in the framework of consent. 
Yeah. So I think that's probably what he's referring to. Okay. But but you're right. It's, I'm just trying to defend myself. You're on your own. Well, because you're not born. You're born. You're, I thought that was a funny joke. You're born. Well, I can't laugh at that. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Boo. You're, you're, you're born gay. You're not born a polygamist. Yeah. So there is a difference there. I wouldn't compare it to gay marriage straight away, but there are legal arguments to be made that are being made within the framework of gay marriage. Yeah. So he uh, he says, and compared it to gay marriage, I understand that point of view. After all, if three consenting adult women want to marry one consenting adult man, what's the problem? And if this was not a common practice and very rarely done, I would have I wouldn't have any problem with it. But so, there is a problem. Well, the next the next sentence, the next paragraph does start with the word however. Oh dear. <laughs> There's a problem. So here we go. However, if it became legal and many, and then parenthetically, he says, tens of thousands or more, which I'll get to it, but, and many tens of thousands or more men started marrying multiple women, this would create a lot of social problems in the United States. Well, here's, I, I know you listened to the episode. You obviously did, Tim. Uh, the problem is, is that many tens of thousands of men already practice polygamy. Yes, just illegally. Uh, yeah, it's illegal, and it's not official marriage where they just have what they call spirit wives. Yeah, where it's just they're shacking up and they have one wife, but one wife. It's like a cartoon kind of thing. Just imagine it like that. It's easier to kind of. <laughs> understand if you do it like I think that often when you think about religion you just got to imagine a cartoon it's like a it's, scooby-doo episode it's, it's with fucking, the spirit wives it's make-believe <laughs> scooby-doo yoinks <laughs> <laughs> oh we're evil <laughs> that was for sure a horse and not scooby-doo they're one and the same no all right we're we're not giving tim his fair chance here sorry so. tim um, in the United States, and for the sake of this argument, and by the way, we're only two paragraphs in here. I got to get moving. And for the sake of this argument, I'm only going to talk about one man marrying multiple women known as polygyny because historically it is much more common than one woman marrying multiple men. Which is polyandry. We, yeah, which is polyandry, which also we didn't really... We brushed on it, but I wanted to just give everybody equality in the conversation. I didn't want everybody, oh, that's so sexist. He's not including the women. Huh, blah, blah. Yeah, but you weren't including the women, so. Yeah, that's what I do. Sexist. So I'm, I'm obsessed with men. Yeah. Really. So <laughs> Lots of Ds. So in a polygynous society, high-status wealthy men tend to marry multiple wives, which leaves few women available for young, low-status men. Crime rates tend to, well, let, let me stop there. One, um, I don't know if you're projecting that all the rich guys are going to get all the hot women and you're not going to get any, Tim, but that's not the case because, because there are already tens of thousands of cases of polygamy in the United States, most within Utah, but elsewhere also. Um, th we haven't seen the downfall of our society. And making something legal doesn't increase its its common its commonality. It, well, also, just because men are rich doesn't mean they're going to be getting lots of ladies. Elliot Roger had some funds, yeah, and yeah. he couldn't have paid me enough to get in his bed. Apparently, he couldn't pay anybody. He enough. could not have done anything to get anybody in his bed. 
So he he says um, the crime rates tend to be higher in polygynous cultures because these young men resort to kidnapping women or committing other crimes to improve their stature in order to be able to win the affection of one of these few, a few available women. Well, another point is that over 50% of the population on this planet is female. It's like, I think it's 52% of the planet is female. So I don't know what societies you're talking about where there's few available women, but maybe if they're marrying more, then it lessens the percentage of available women. But there, um, there are many cultures in, in, uh, on the planet that practice polygamy, where it's legal and practiced, and it is absolutely not just the rich who have multiple wives. Yeah. In, all, in many cases, in several um, Muslim countries, there are men of almost no consequence financially who have multiple wives. So yeah. it, it's just not a valid argument. Well, and even on those compounds, the, the FLDS, those compounds, mm -hmm. those aren't wealthy no. men that have several wives, you know, and, and what you were saying is true that something being legal doesn't automatically make people want to go do it um if they, listen if they made heroin legal tomorrow i don't think any more people would go out to be spiking heroin into their veins than do it now it's just the people that are doing it wouldn't be criminals well and even sticking with this just because it would be legal for me to take multiple husbands i'm not going to go do that you know what i mean right. that's not something i'm interested in now if it was legal i wouldn't be interested in it then I'm not interested in well, it. Well, because it's not normal. Yeah, it's, and so there's... It's odd. And I making think, it legal wouldn't make it any more normal. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, people who think that it is normal and are involved in it currently will then just no longer be criminals, like you said. And those people who are not interested in it will continue to be not interested in right. it. Right. So, so he continues. I want to burn through this. Now, this is an extreme example. And if uh, polygamy became legal in the United States, this would not happen overnight. But over time, I do believe that the rich and powerful men would gradually begin to marry multiple women, and we would begin seeing some of these social issues. This is a society that is fantastic for the rich and powerful, but with very few options for the weaker lower class men. Let me tell you something, Tim. I'm assuming, I'm assuming you're a younger man, because, and I'm also assuming you're not married, because I don't know any man who's been married and been married for a long time who would think that this, that a society where you have multiple wives is a fantastic place for the rich and powerful. You still have multiple women that you have to take care of and have to take care of you. And I think most dudes would say that one at a time is fucking far enough. And I'm being a little tongue in cheek and funny, but. Goddamn. I just don't see any society where multiple wives is other than backwards ass Muslim nations. And you can write your fucking emails, but that is a religious. It is it, it is a horrible, backwards, oppressive religion. And I don't see anybody looking at that as, oh, how wonderful. The, the, look, those Muslims, they love to blow shit up, but God, they really got it good with 10 wives. <laughs> Well, and how often do you see in this country, we'll, we'll use the United States as an example, how many people do you see that are involved in polygamy that aren't doing so for religious reasons in the United States? 
I would say none. I think that it's, they believe it's a calling. Yes. Just like in the show Big Love, HBO show, they believe in the principle, upholding the principle, which is polygamy. And oftentimes people want to separate religion and politics, but most times your hyper-fundamentalist groups, there is no way to separate a religious and a political agenda. Yeah. And, or even a cultural agenda. And the reason that a lot of a lot of men in islam do take on multiple wives is because they it's a power thing they believe that it's their their right as a man to take on a mul- multiple wives and it's the same thing within fundamentalist mormonism but that's not our issue our issue isn't some of the and i'm speaking directly to tim now tim our my issue with polygamy with polygamy and my my i'm going to make up a word here my okayness with <laughs> it, it is a little too close to anus so you better be careful with that one just I, just a tip okay my oh, just a tip my okayness is smelly and itchy but <laughs> no but no but my 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 relative ease with polygamy relative to a social construct i'm okay with it because of this i'm also okay with drugs being legal in the United States and that would cause social issues but just because something be- makes so uh, your society a little bit uncomfortable doesn't mean that people shouldn't have the freedom to practice it alcohol causes a lot of problems in our society a lot a lot it's very bad but it is absolutely something that should be legal in our country because we are Free will having individuals who can make our own choices for ourselves. Yes. And I said it's very bad while I have a glass of wine right here. And I have a a mug o maker's mark in front of me. Yes. Maybe this is the drunk episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. No, we're very... And also, and also next to me are my three wives who are lovingly... D- here, bitch, go get me another drink. They're lovingly doting on me. Mm-hmm. I don't think Brittany was very happy with that funny remark at all. Uh, nah. All right. Well, anyway, Tim, that is it. And uh, for others who would like to email us or call 657-464-7609, we would love to address your comments and your concerns. Uh, I value Tim's response, and I think that it is a valid concern that there will be problems within our society if something like polygamy is is legalized. But it's, I don't think, any more than what's going to be if gay marriage is legalized or if when when certain states started allowing just no-fault divorces. All kinds of arguments were made prior to those things happening. But it's the freedom and liberty of the people that I think is most important. So, But absolutely, thanks for sounding off. We appreciate it very much. Yes. Keep them coming. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely keep them coming. I doubt it at dollamore.com, 657-464-7609. And up in the the upper right-hand corner of uh, dollamore.com, there's a contact page where you can tweet us or hashtag us or hubba-da-ba. So we're going to move on. Uh, there is a new study. Oh, what an amazing, amazing study that got Britney's fucking blood boiling. Yeah. Time Magazine just published an article titled, Scientists Say Smelling Farts Might Prevent Cancer. Okay, let's just stop right there. (laughs) 
Let's just stop right there right, for a stop. second. All right, here we go. Now, I'm just going to read a couple more headlines from the media. Uh, oh, there's not just Time Magazine, you mean? Oh, no. This was reported by several different people, and I'm just going to read a few of the headlines, okay? Yahoo News, smelling flatulence could help you live longer, scientists claim. New York Daily News, fart gas may help prevent dementia and heart disease, says study. The Guardian Liberty Voice, cancer risk reduced by smelling farts, study suggests. And K-Rock FM in L.A. (laughs) I'm glad that you went from probably most reputable to absolutely least reputable. Yeah, reported... Pull my finger, this fart might cure cancer. Ugh. Now, here's the deal, Hang everybody. On. Hang on, here's the deal. Uh, let me say this. This has been something that Brittany has fucking been enraged about for a long, long time. It pisses her off when she reads a headline. She's goaded to read the study because it's interesting. Oh, my God. So she reads the study and then loses her fucking mind because the results of the study don't indicate anything that the headline tried to pass off. Well, and this was different because when I read this headline, I saw it in time. I didn't see these other ones. I saw time. But then once I started researching it, I found these other headlines. And I saw the time headline and I immediately laughed out loud and said, (laughs) okay, let's see what they're trying to spin here. Because I knew that there's no way that a study or that a scientist found this i mean there's just no way that's not they wouldn't do something like this This, they wouldn't say something like this it's just not something that would happen and going back a little bit i took a biopsychology class my junior year yeah and i i remember this specifically this is when you started getting pissed off about this type of thing yeah she my professor who was an awesome one of my greatest professors throughout my college career gave us an assignment during this biopsych class and it was throughout the semester we had three writing assignments and each time we needed to pull a scientific article so a peer-reviewed scientific research study that was published in a journal online and compare it to what was reported in the media and for each assignment that we did that we had to list the differences that we found in the scientific article and the media reporting right and every time i wrote i did three papers on it and every time i pulled a study and did the comparison there were numerous differences numerous errors it was embarrassing and so let's let's go with this fart study okay (laughs) So the I just want everybody for the record to know that Brittany just said, let's go with this <laughs> fart study. Okay, so this study was a journal. Uh, what, uh, what, what kind of study? Well, it's not a fart study. Okay, oh. it's, it's entitled, <laughs> this is the title of it, The Synthesis and Functional Evaluation of a Mitochondria-Targeted Hydrogen Sulfide Donor. 10XO10-4-3, a long chemical name, right? Right, right. Uh, Tryptophenyl phosphonium bromide. Okay, so it is... Clearly your science is psychology and not chemistry. Yes, but that's That's what this was published in. It was Journal of Medicinal Chemistry Communications. Absolutely. And 
obviously time is like me and not well equipped to report on a chemistry study. Well, I think Time Magazine, because Fareed Zakaria has a lot to do with them, might be unable or ill-equipped to report on geopolitical happenings. They're, they're a fucking terrible news organization, but go ahead. Yeah, so I think what happened here is a lot of these media outlets read only the press release and wrote all of their articles based on the press release from the scientists. Isn't isn't it often that that's what happens or they will only read the press release and then possibly the abstract and then that's it? Yeah, and yeah. the abstract is the, you know, 250 word maximum usually summary of the study. So it's not a good place to go to get the information you, about the study. You can barely wet your whistle relative to the study findings in the abstract. You're kind of just getting the idea of what they're going to be studying. Yeah, and usually the results are put in the abstract, but it's going to be like one sentence. So you don't get the full breadth of, of what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, you want to know more about it than just what's in the abstract so you can tell if it's legitimate, so you can tell, you know, get the full perspective of what happened in Absolutely. the study. So it seems like they just went based on what was released in the press release. And in that press release, the researchers stated, quote, it may smell of flatulence and have a reputation for being highly toxic, but when used in the right tiny dosage, hydrogen sulfide is now being found to offer potential health benefits in a range of issues from diabetes to stroke, heart attacks, and dementia. So where they got the fart was that hydrogen sulfide may smell of flatulence. Right. Yeah. It may smell like that. It's not what a fart is, but it may smell like a fart. Yeah, so they're jumping to using the word fart. Right. So anyway. Um, Goddamn. That, that is, well, one, I think it's, it's a gross miscarriage of their profession because they are, they are purveyors of truth. They should be purveyors of truth and unbiased information. That's where you go if you want information that is it's unfiltered it's it's what this is the real deal but they should be able to they're not morons these people have they are educated human beings who work within the framework of CNN and who work with within the framework of, of print media they're not the lebron james who are right out of high school who just happen to be good at journalism these are people who have advanced degrees in investigative reporting and journalism and getting to the bottom of fucking so they've been they've been educated on the on these matters and people who write about science typically should be educated about science for sure they should so the news release also said quote the research is being conducted in several models of disease and preclinical trials results are promising so they didn't explain so have they they've not even gotten to preclinical trials no, they're saying the preclinical trial results are promising. Oh, they're promising. So okay. it's preclinical trial, which means this isn't human research. Oh, right. And it's actually interesting because they're they're saying that, you know, this was a smelling thing, but this was done in cell cultures. So no like one a, like a petri dish. Yeah. Which Oh yeah. So no one was smelling anything. This well, wasn't about smelling well, things. Because cells don't smell. And the last time I knew, Petri dishes don't 
they don't smell, they don't hear, they don't feel. Yeah. So they're they're ultimately personifying single-celled organisms. <laughs> and then and different molecules on a petri dish of mold. Ultimately, I mean. Yeah, it's kind of um irresponsible. Yeah, it's very irresponsible. And some people might be listening to this and thinking, well, you know, maybe they're just trying to be funny. They're just, it's harmless. Well, no, it's not harmless because they're spreading misinformation and there's people that are going to read this and they're dumb and they're going to think it's true. Well, listen, it's Time fucking magazine. Th- these are reputable news organizations that have a responsibility to put out good headlines and good information. And the problem with this is it's, it's clickbait. Oh, that's all this is. It, it shows the transparency of our journalistic professionals in our society. That you can't trust what they say because they may just try to make it up oh, a little snarky so you tune into the article. Leave that to fucking Jay Leno and the comedy guys. Don't Jay Leno, not like he's funny. Fuck, sorry about that. Listen, I want to... I want to apologize for that last remark. Don't send me any emails. Jay Leno is not funny, and he is not a comedy guy. <laughs> but leave that to the funny men. Yeah. Don't, and- don't leave it to your, your, your bastions of journalistic integrity. Yeah. And just to note, hydrogen sulfide is known to be in flatulence and be one of one of the compounds that gives it its smell mm-hmm. but it is not solely i mean right. it's also you can't s- use the the hydrogen sulfide and farts interchangeably i right. mean that's just well, it's not... one of the components that give it its smell some of the others would be new york strip steaks taco um, bell taco bell whiskey um i we get, know that about you i get already. a very flavorful aroma surrounding my bouquet of uh fartiness with with uh maker's mark yeah so here's what i hope <laughs> Brittany, moving on moving right along everybody <laughs> here's what i hope starts happening is that the very least that researchers can do is to publish a link in the articles of the study so that people can go to it themselves and stop reporting things just based on news releases of the study. And also, don't try to make the study something it's not, okay? It's kind of boring. When you read through it, it's super boring. Nobody cares. It's chemistry. Well, no one understands it. That's exactly right. And Unless you're a chemist, <laughs> it is boring as fuck. Yeah, and, and so don't try to pretend like you're a chemist and you get it by using you know, fart in place of the complicated chemical names. It, You know what I mean? Or maybe, let's do this. Maybe let's have the journalist outlet, like Time Magazine, after the headline, it would be like, it would read like this in the magazine. Scientists say smelling farts might prevent cancer, dot, 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 JK. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, or something like that. Like a little JK, a little just kidding. Yeah. Nah? No, I hope that's what they start doing, really. Truly, So, so I listen, editor-in-chief of Time Magazine, or maybe a Fareed Zakaria, the fucking charlatan uh, plagiarist, if he's listening, alleged, if he's listening, um, make that happen, Fareed. A little JK after your shitty headlines. That would be nice. Speaking of shitty headlines, 
in Los Angeles recently, and I don't know if this made national news or international news, but a man was recently released from a mental health facility whose nickname is the Pillowcase Rapist. He raped, I think Brittany will give the details of what year to what year he raped, but he has raped over 40 women. Yes, and he acknowledges raping and assaulting about about 40 women between 1971 and 1982. Now, just so everybody knows, that's 11 years. 11 years, 40 rape slash assaults. His name is Christopher Hubbard, and he is 63 years old. He was in a mental health facility because he wasn't allowed. I mean, I, I believe they found him to be too crazy or something to live within the confines of a prison. Is that right? I mean, he must have. If he's in a mental health deal, he's not. Yeah. So anyway, a judge, a, a judge, several months ago, uh, going on a year ago, was going to release him to a community here in Southern California, and the community fucking went ape shit, and they protested. Not just the community. There were radio hosts for yeah, a, a yeah. local a AM station here, um, KFI six forty, and. They were hot on the topic and set up protests in front of the house he was supposed to live in. That's and right. the landlord of that house ended up not allowing him to stay there. So they had to find a different place for him to go. Well, the landlord of the house didn't know the situation. Yeah. The state was not upfront with him relative to who was moving into his fucking place. Yeah. But he's supposed to have um, an ankle bracelet and blah, blah, blah. But th the fact of the matter is, this is a person who cannot be cured. He has raped upwards of 40 women. Yeah, well, let's get into it a little bit. So he was he was dropped off at 1.40 p.m. in a silver car, hid his face as he walked into the back of his house while staff unloaded his suitcases. And there were a couple of guards that went in the house and remained with him, and two sheriff patrol cars are on the corner of his street. So... He was released. They found a new community for him to go to where there's less population. Uh, it, you know, it's it's more of a rural area, so he's not around a lot of people. There were still protests. Oh, because there's still people in this community. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's like not... he is living in a shack in yeah. the middle of the desert. His nearest neighbor's not four miles away. No. It's just a more rural community than he... Well, which means more danger because now there's less less people to call the cops when he does something wrong. Yeah. So he was ordered released by a Santa Clara County Superior Court judge, Gilbert Brown, to Los Angeles County last year because he was born and raised there. His more recent crimes were committed in Santa Clara County. Which, it, that's interesting because a Santa Clara County judge, that's Northern California. That's probably... 700 miles away, 600 miles away, is l releasing him into a Southern California community, which is fucking bullshit. Yeah, so when his prison term ended in 1996, he was deemed a sexually violent predator and confined to a state mental hospital. In California, being deemed a sexually violent predator is different than just a normal rapist or child rapist or someone on the sexual predator um list yeah. it's it's you, you are you're deemed a sexually violent predator where 
you're a special breed of rapist. Yeah. And he was put into that category. Yeah. So he's moved into his new home outside Palmdale. And it's a community about 70 miles northeast of downtown Los Angeles. And the terms of his release are that he cannot be alone outside after dark. He needs permission to walk through his neighborhood or go to a bowling alley. You know, he can't be outside without permission. I'm he assuming, can't go anywhere without permission. I'm assuming that that article said bowling alley. Maybe, it did. Maybe he has a penchant for He's bowling. He's an avid bowler, oh. I hear. <laughs> and he must allow random searches and polygraph tests. And like you said, he does have an ankle bracelet on, so they're tracking his movements at all times. You know what's weird about an- ankle bracelets? They can be cut off. Yeah. Well, not only they can be cut off, they don't prevent rape. It's not like your wiener gets shocked every time you uh, stick it into a vagina without consent. It's All it does is say where the rape took place after the fact. Yeah. Guards stand watch around the clock to protect the public from him and him from those who have fought against his release for months. Protesters have camped outside the tiny home on a dusty plot this week as sheriff deputies patrolled outside every few hours. Sounds like a prison, so why don't we just fucking keep him in prison? I mean, if you're... I tell you what, there's a lot of murderers who are in prison right now. Why don't we just send him out and put him in a house and put an ankle bracelet on him and have multiple guards surrounding the house? If we did that for every criminal... Every violent criminal in the state of California or in the United States or in the world, it would there would be no more empty houses. That's for sure. But what the fuck? This is not a valid solution. Yeah, it's I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in a second because um, they, they go <laughs> on to talk about I'm it. I'm jumping no. the gun. I'm jumping the no, gun. I know it's it's. It's disturbing. Hubbard is one of a dozen people deemed sexually violent predators who are being monitored by the state-contracted Liberty Health Corps group. Um, His 16-page conditional release term include not going anywhere on his own. In fact, he's not even allowed to drive a car or take the bus and probably won't be able to do either of those things for another year. If he's going to the grocery store, somebody's going with him. Why is he let out? Yeah, somebody is driving him to his appointments when he's not got some place to be. He's at home and he's not allowed to leave his property. This is the Santa Clara County prosecutor giving this information. And he must also wear a GPS anklet and continue treatment. And he needs permission to work, use the Internet, visit the park, beach or pool. So when his prison term ended, like we said, in 1996 and he was put in a mental hospital, Under California's civil commitment law, to be constitutionally correct, ex-cons must be able to progress and ultimately graduate from treatment. Goddamn. Um, After all, they've served their time. So a court will hold annual hearings to decide whether to continue his supervision, return him to the hospital, or eventually release him unconditionally. Even those that the state deem as sexually violent predators. They need to be, oh, we need to rehabilitate him. He raped or assaulted 40 women, admittedly raped or assaulted 40 women in a span of 11 years. Well, and that's the thing that's really disturbing about this is that he's one of a dozen people in this state, I'm assuming, that have been deemed sexually violent predators who are being monitored by this this state contracted company. So he's a rare breed. 
he's an he's unbelievably not, rare breed. Yeah, he's not like every other rapist. So you can't you can't give him the same rules. Imagine this. Between the grades of first grade, your first grade year, and your senior year of high school, he raped or assaulted 40 women. 40 women. That's that's not even one every six months. That is vastly more. Goddamn. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they call him the pillowcase rapist. He right. puts a pillowcase over their heads. Violent. He's a violent fucking predator. Yeah, I mean, it's if I was living in this community, I would be very scared because, like you said, they can just cut the ankle bracelet off, and he can escape from his house. Yeah. You know, there might be guards watching well, the house, the, but he's a criminal. He can get out. The other, the other issue is, which is not even based upon him being a criminal, or it's who's paying for all this. The state is paying for his rent because he doesn't have a fucking job. The state is paying for his electricity. The state is paying for his groceries. They're paying for his round-the-clock surveillance. They're paying for his ankle bracelet and the company who monitors his ankle bracelet. What the? Where does it fucking end? Yeah, and even the most, you know, uh, criminally compassionate. How would I phrase that? The ACLU types, the NAMBLA types, bleeding these, heart liberals. Whatever these <laughs> these people who are so pro criminal rights, which you know, I guess that has its place sometimes. I believe but, fundamentally that that those who are everybody has some rights. Yes, for sure. But I wonder what they think of this guy because, I mean, I really believe that people can be rehabilitated too and I want to believe that most people can be. But I think you that, know what? I if think... you've raped 40 people, yeah, I, 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 if you've raped 40 people, can you be rehabilitated? You lose your chance I at being rehabilitated. I think that question should be asked of the 40 women he raped. And I think the answer is no. He cannot be re rehabilitated. Clearly he can't. So the community members have been giving interviews to the news and talking about how the reason they love where they live is because they're isolated from society. You know, they're 70 miles northeast of Los Angeles, and they liked that about their community. But now that thing that they liked, it was peaceful. It was isolated. Uh, they're terrified of that now because the phone use is spotty. The patrols are infrequent infrequent because the crime is low. And now they have this sexually violent predator that's living in their community. Yeah. And I mean, that's not a good time to have phone use that's spotty. That's a, well, that's also a great point that because they're more rural, they don't have the influx or the, the ready access to law enforcement. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Yeah. And someone that lives in the community said the restrictions will never be good enough for me. He needs to be in a place where he's watched 24 hours by more than two guards. Well, he needs to be in a facility with other criminals where there are multiple more guards than prisoners. Yeah. Not a couple dudes who are going to be sleeping in their car and have him escape and go rape again. Yeah. Let's see what happens. God forbid some this he rapes someone and that judge, that fucking weasel piece of shit judge or the cop who's slacking off and sleeping on his post let that happen. That goddamn. I can't even imagine being criminal behavior. I mean, it would 
that would be the worst job to be a judge and have to deal with making these decisions. Well, in this and case, then deal with the consequences in, of those decisions. In this case, wouldn't it be easy to make your decision? This is you think. I mean, I wonder. Fuck. I wonder what was in the judge's head when they decided to go ahead and go through with this. I mean, I understand the law says that they need to keep moving and you know work through the steps of their recovery, but you know what? They, They've already been deemed a violently sexual predator. What more has to be done? It's just risking a lot. Yeah. So we just want to keep you apprised of the situation. We will definitely follow up on it. But uh, if you'd like to know more about it, just Google pillowcase rapist. And it is fucking all over the place. Next on the docket, (laughs) if you will, we're going to talk about a Virginia teen who's been charged because of sexting. Actually, there's two cases that are very interesting, but we'll start with this one. Yeah, a Virginia teen is facing two felony charges after he was caught sexting with his girlfriend. If convicted, he could be forced to register as a sex offender and spend time in jail. Trey Sims, 17, was charged with manufacturing and distributing child pornography while exchanging texts with his then-girlfriend, who was 15. So not even an adult man. A 17-year-old sent pictures of his dick to a 15-year-old girl, his girlfriend. Yes. His iPhone and his iPad have been seized by police, and he was taken into custody. Um, he was spoken to about this incident, and he says that the police took him into a room and took pictures of his genitalia. Wait a minute. So the police... Wow. That's an amazing thing that I didn't know the police were in the business of child pornography, taking pictures of underage genitalia. Yeah, it seems like they committed the same crime that he's accused of committing, although they're not distributing it. Yeah, but they're they're cops, so they only have the public good at heart. Yes. Mm. His aunt was being interviewed about the incident, and she said that um, she asked if they're allowed to do that, and her son, or I'm sorry, her nephew said, I tried to refuse... Because he didn't want to do it, and they told him that if he didn't agree to them taking the pictures of his genitalia, they would do it by force. Wow. That's What's really disturbing. State of Virginia. Yeah, a local magistrate signed off on a new research warrant on Thursday asking for more nude pictures of his genitalia to compare with the evidence. The teen said that police wanted to force him to become aroused. God damn. I don't, this just makes me like sick. I I don't. So the cops wanted, how do you force someone to be aroused? Uh, So they wanted to get a picture of his hard dick, his turgid penis. Yeah. They wanted a 17 year old boy to get an engorged, turgid penis so they could take a picture of it. Uh, Where is this okay? What I wish that my face. Country? I wish my face could be con- uh, converted into audio right now this and is, sent yeah, through this the is, waves because it's one, disgusted right now. This is the one time I wish we had a video podcast where we could have just Britney's face, like it's a Silence of the Lambs or Philadelphia, whoever that director is who only films people's faces. Yeah, uh, that's an inside joke. I found the city. <laughs> What's the city? Manassas. Oh, Manassas, Virginia, which is just. Just west of Woodbridge, Virginia, just outside the Beltway in Washington, D.C. The same city that Lorena Bobbitt cut off the penis of uh, John Wayne Bobbitt. 
Nice. So both the city of Manassas Police Department and the Commonwealth's attorney for Prince William County declined to comment on this case. Of course they did, because they're fucking cowards. And making a seven, a teenage boy, he's not 18, he's not a man yet, he can't buy a house, he can't, he can't even join the military without the signature of his parent. And he's being forced to try to get a hard-on so we can take your picture. Yeah. It's fucking creepy, and as far as I'm concerned, criminal, and it's child pornography what they took place in. Yeah, the teen's defense attorney said she plans to fight the charges and is questioning why her client is the only minor in the case facing charges. Right. Which suggests that the 15-year-old was also sending back pictures. Right. And, I mean, you know, I understand that, like, obviously this case came about because the 15-year-old's parents found out. I mean, how, how else would it have happened? Right, clearly. So... It's kind of confusing to me that, I mean, I would be angry if I found out my child was receiving dick pics from her boyfriend, too. But I'm not going to go ruin the rest of somebody's life because he sent a dick pic. You know, calm down. There are hormones at play here. Yeah, kids sometimes do dumb stuff like sext and... Isn't it more of a parenting issue? Shouldn't you be concerned about how you're parenting your daughter That's that exactly she's exchanging right. nude photographs with a 17-year-old guy? Maybe you didn't do your fucking job, parents. Yeah. Manassas parents of your 15-year-old daughter. So you don't need to go after this 15... I'm sorry, this 17-year-old boy right. because he's sending dick pics. Why don't you worry about your daughter who's exchanging pictures as well and you know work on your parenting? Goddamn. Yeah, and there was another there was another story in the news, but we're we're running a little short on time, so we'll move on. We're, let's stick with Virginia, though. How about that? We'll stick with Virginia and a local. Well, if I want to say local, a a Virginia failed congressional candidate is fucking harassing that Texas Tech college teenage girl who has been getting so much bullshit on Facebook. Kendall Jones. Kendall Jones for killing. Going on safari and posing with dead animals she's killed. Yes. Self-described left-wing liberal Mike Dickinson has taken to Twitter to offer $100,000 in exchange for naked pictures or video of 19-year-old girl Kendall Jones. Goddamn. He's a congressional candidate, but not really. Um <laughs> He first declared that he would run as a Democrat in Virginia's 7th District, where Eric Cantor recently lost to David Bratt in the Republican primary and is the sitting congressman. But Dickinson never filed to run as a Democrat and is now running as a write-in for the seat. So he's so pretty he, much not. He's a fucking flunky is what he is. Well, anyway, so this is what he's done. He's offered $100,000 for anyone, and who knows if he even has the money, but he's offered $100,000 to anyone who can provide naked pictures of this young girl. Yeah, he tweeted, if hashtag Kendall Jones is old enough to be in college and kill elephants, giraffes, or rhinos, she's old enough to be a target. A hundred grand to anyone with nude photos. I have a hundred grand to anyone who has nude photos or videos of hashtag Kendall Jones at Texas Tech. She deserves to be a target. I tweeted today from my personal account at Dollamore, and I said, join me in repudiating at vote Mike 2014. That is his, his Twitter handle at vote Mike 2014. One word. 
I said, we'll be talking about him on the next episode of the show. Would love to interview him via Skype. And he obviously has not responded. Otherwise, we'd have him on the show right now. Yeah, he continues to tweet, does hashtag Kendall Jones use vegetables as sex toys? Does she enjoy being spanked? We want to know. And some rational person tweeted him and said, innocent girl. And he says, she's a scumbag who kills endangered animals to hell with her, not innocent. It's very interesting to me that he cares so much about endangered animals, yet is wanting to pay a hundred grand for nude photos. Why don't you just donate that money to some organization that works with endangered animals? Or maybe pay that money to Weight Watchers to lose some fucking weight off your dirty, fat, flowing chin, you scumbag. This is a guy. This is a guy who needs a beatdown. This fucking guy needs a beatdown. Not that anyone should do that. I'm just saying he needs a beatdown. Listen, you can disagree with her going on safari and killing animals that are not endangered. They're not. But she's killing animals that are legally allowed to be killed in the in the specific countries within Africa, and judge that or not, this guy is taking it to a whole new level. He's a piece of shit. So so maybe in the next couple days, if vote for Mike 2014 will come on the air, we'd love to we'd love to hash it out with him. And I'm going to follow up and see if if he's not too afraid to face the heat. So I think we'll you think we'll wrap it up there. Yep. Probably a good idea Mm -hmm. before I I can lose my mind. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, this has been another episode the 37th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. Can you believe that? It's crazy. Fucking Moving on up. Crazy. We started in March and here we are in the end of the, the mid July. The World Cup is over, which no one cares about. <laughs> I for sure don't care about it. You did not. I actually watched a lot of soccer. More soccer within the last three weeks than I've watched my entire life, which has been a little bit embarrassing. So. We love you very much. We appreciate you for listening. Uh, We know you're dedicating two hours of your life to us every single week. And that is more than a lot of mistresses get. So we we very much appreciate you. 657-464, if you'd like to sound off, if you'd like your voice recorded on the show and your opinion recorded for posterity's sake, we will do that for you. There is iTunes and Stitcher. Leave a review if you've not done it yet and you're a listener and you want to sound off, even if you don't want to sound off, do me a personal favor. Do Brittany a personal favor and sound off about the show. Let iTunes know just how you feel about our broadcast. It would be much appreciated. Even if it's a shitty review, leave a review. <laughs> nah, go ahead and skip that. <laughs> But we, we do. We appreciate you listening. Dollamore.com. If you'd like to spend money on Amazon, go to Dollamore.com. And up in the upper right-hand corner, there is a search bar for Amazon. If you want to buy a book or some kind of fancy Bluetooth speaker to use at the beach, that's where you get it. We would love to have you to, to, to support the show in that way. If you can't review and you can't rate, then... 
I think the only other way would be Amazon.com, which we are, it's there for you. We've provided that for you so you can feel good about yourself. So this has been episode 37. We love you and appreciate you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. So let's let's go with this fart study, okay? Okay. <laughs>